All right, my people, what's going on? We are back for another episode of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. And this is your host, as always, L. Jamal, came to do it right for you in the middle of the week. We're going to get right into it with this world on the street. And uh, over 7,000 migrants from Central America are headed to the U.S. border with numbers growing, growing by the day. Now, this group started with just 160 uh, people starting in my group uh, in Honduras, excuse me, in the city of Tapachula. Now they are escaping uh, poverty, corruption within their own government, and violence as well. Uh, there also uh, has been a a movement amongst amongst at least the conservatives to kind of uh, describe these people as terrorists. Uh, there's also a big uh, warning from Donald Trump about you know the MS-13 gang being infiltrated amongst these numbers. Uh, I'm not into debate with you. Uh, the goodness of all these people, um, there might be a small percentage, but I, I think overwhelmingly overwhelmingly you're looking for people who want to start over in their life that's looking to escape from those gangs to escape from that violence those gangs caused and escape the corruption in their government uh, so that says a lot about the governments there that if thousands of people are deciding to to caravan together to a new country uh, knowing this country doesn't necessarily want them either uh, that ought to tell you about the, the country that they're coming from now they might they're gonna have to travel up to 1140 miles to the nearest border crossing which will be in McAllen Texas they could end up going a little bit further than that uh, to the border crossing in the San Diego area now uh, the leader of uh, one of the crew's uh, caravan leaders by the name of Dennis Omar Contreras from Honduras uh, he put out an interesting quote here uh, this kind of sums up you know basically what you're dealing with uh, there isn't a single terrorist here we are all people from Honduras El Salvador Guatemala and Nicaragua and as far as I know there are no terrorists in these four countries at least for the four corrupt governments that's what you need to know they're more so escaping that corrupt government now mind you just like you can't speak for every American there might be a bad seed or or two in that I you know I don't if it was though I think they'd be causing some drama by now it seems to me as though they're moving just moving towards the country it seems to be a peaceful uh, movement they're migrating that's what people do uh, I got another quote here uh, from another member of the caravan her name is Ana Luisa Espana and she also uh, wants to find work uh, in the US possibly even Mexico here's a quote here we only want to do work and if a job turns up in Mexico, we would do. I, uh, I would do it. We would do anything except for bad things. So there you go. These are a lot of. Now you can sit there and, and make your case for one or two gangbangers that might be amongst this crowd. But it seems to me that the majority, the vast majority of these people, want to work. They want to be friendly and live in this society that we call America. They want to work hard. They want to go through the process of becoming a citizen. Whatever that entails. They don't want to do bad things. That's what she told you right here. This is the voice from people that's involved. And this is why I like to, to carry quotes over. So we get an idea of the people who are involved. Now it doesn't seem to me that they want to be all nefarious and be game bangers. I don't I don't get that. I get a, I get the majority, I get a, a whole conglomerate of people who want to efficiently officially change their lives. Um like I said, these people are attempting to uh, you know uh, flee from poverty, violence, and again, the corruption that, you know, is in their countries every day. There's even some in our country, so I get it, you know. I get what it's like to get away from that. Uh, so a lot of these groups could, uh, much much of this group could even split up. Uh, they could be forced to turn back. They could even seek asylum, again, in Mexico as well. So we, I mean, you know, I'm not, um, I understand the argument against illegal immigration and I, I do understand some of the pitfalls that come with that. But again, I again, that's why I think there should be a, an excessive well, not necessarily a, an excessive, excuse me, but a a simple vetting process, a simple process in which we can put any type of name into a database and be able to pull up these files. I think um, these countries have these people files. These countries would know uh, who's terrorist or who's not a threat. I think there should be as something simple as you coming to this border, giving us any type of foreign ID. We look that foreign ID up. If we find something, you can't get in. If we don't, if we can't find anything related to you, you can't get in. It's not that hard. 
So many people pay thousands of dollars for citizenship. I think that's that's retarded. But then again, citizens pay thousands. Actual U.S. citizens pay thousands of dollars worth of taxes and get nothing for them. So I get it. I get it. It's if if you're going to take advantage of us, then you're definitely going to take advantage of of the of the immigrant. So we see that. Uh, but moving on, uh, in other news around the world, uh, Salal Khashoggi, the son of uh, of deceased uh, Arab reporter Jamal Khashoggi, did meet up with the Saudi prince a couple days ago, uh, was given their condolences uh, from the Saudi crown. Uh, again, the Saudis are basically telling us that uh, Mr. Khashoggi was, was murdered in a fight, uh, although we saw him being dragged directly into the consulate and uh, therefore, you know, eventually uh, murdered. Uh, they're continually to push that side of the story. They continuously, continuously are pushing that narrative, narrative, despite ongoing reports from the Turkish government claiming otherwise. I'm not too sure, you know, why they're saying this, or well, maybe I do. Maybe, maybe I do. Maybe they have a lot uh, riding on this. Like I said, they have a lot of foreign investments uh, with a lot of different country, with a lot of different countries. One being the U.S., the other being the U.K. as well. Uh, however, Trump is, has been in the media uh, doubling back a little. Bit, uh, he is going back to the Saudis deserve punishment, uh, belief. So, he has been talking about that recently. Uh, I'm not too sure how far this goes, I'm not too sure exactly what Turkey reveals. Uh, again, I would also keep them, you know, I will question them as well. Again, they've already uh kidnapped one of our uh, a U.S. citizen, they've already held that person for over 20 years. Uh, and again, they're controlling the narrative of the situation. Whenever I see that happening, I get a little bit wary. But again, they're, they're, they uh, also are claiming to have no responsibility. And it's looking more and more uh, that this was done by uh, an Arabic, well, by the prince itself, carried out by the prince itself. Uh, over 21 uh, passports of Arab, um, of people who were alleged to be involved, they've been revoked. They are going to start being tried for his murder. So we'll see how this turns around. Hopefully we'll find out, uh, get to the, the actual bottom of this, because I still think this is all being uh, pretty much, this is, this is still a cover up. So don't think that it's not. And finally, before I let you guys go, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, one one more thing. Uh, we're going to go into the entertainment realm. And Sarah Silverman was quoted recently, uh, basically defending her buddy, Louis C.K. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, really all the things you know all his his ends and out of his particular story uh like i do harvey weinstein but of course he was caught up in the me me too movement as well and uh sarah silverman uh she came to his defense the other day he has been allowed you know he's he's back on the scene uh doing his thing and um sarah silverman you know just gave a weird comment uh the other day but i understand you know it's just um what, what it highlights is is a is a difference is a uh, is a difference of opinion within the own within the within the female community, and it's very interesting. Uh, but anyway, she went on to say that uh, just to describe some of her relationship with Louis C.K. and she would go on to say that every now and again he'll just pull out his dick and jack off in front of her. So what that tells me right away is that you know he does this. He's comfortable with it. Whatever female he's comfortable with, he's willing to do that type of stuff too. Well, he was. I don't know if he changes up his ways or if he's just smart enough to do it with the females who allow it. Uh, that's the thing, you know, and it's, and it's a hard route. And and that's why, you know, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have uh, finally found a relationship because in this day and era, you can't even it's almost like you can't even ask a girl out. You know, you can't be a gentleman without somebody taking it the wrong way, it seems like. And it seems like they're uh, trying to find situations in which to uh, really bring that out about men and really use that against men. Uh, but apparently, uh, Sarah Silverman, she had this to say about it. She, well, she will go on to say, yes, he would jack off in front of me. Sometimes I'll be cool with it. Sometimes I'll be like, no, that's gross. Get a pizza. So that, that you know, that automatically tells you there, there's a schism in some of these women's beliefs. Uh, some of these women are okay with it, uh, depending on their relationship with the man. I think it all has to do with what that man has in terms of money. Uh, that you can say what you want. Uh, I think they'll they'll take a lot more from a man who can give them some money afterward than a lot more from a guy like me who doesn't have money like that and be angrily trying to give it to them like that.
So uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be in a situation where I can I have a relationship. So I ain't got to worry about uh, going through all that. That's just me. I don't, I don't want to go through all that. Uh, but again, I, I wanted to talk about uh, kind of her comments because, again, I think it just highlights a difference in opinion within their own, uh, within the, the whole Me Too movement. Uh, I think that you have people like, and this, this is what I've been saying. You know, a lot of this this sexual stuff that we're that women are coming out to talk about now and how much they're against it. To be honest, that's all part of the Hollywood scene. They get together, they do drugs, they get drunk, and they have sex with each other. Now, what happens, you know, within the countless number of parties, I don't know. You know, eventually, obviously, we're seeing uh, women not necessarily having fun in this scene. But, again, I would practice self-control. Uh, if this is about a movie situation, why would I meet somebody at their house? You know, I mean... I, it's it's only it's only smart it's only it's only you know common sense that that's what that man would want now mind you now for example i used to talk to this chick the first time this was years ago and the first time we wanted to hang out she goes why well, i told her we could go here there or you know we go to the movies we can go get some food this that the other of course all type of um well at least a couple suggestions now mind you her she didn't have no suggestions but her main suggestion was a couple of days later after i asked her and pried it out of her what would you like to do what are you going to do? first thing she goes well come over to my house i'm not a rocket scientist well somebody asked you to come over to their house just like that i'm sorry nine times out of ten it has to deal with sex and that's eventually what was expected and that's what happened these Hollywood men are not just trying to get you to come to their house to really be nice to you, to really show you something. No, they want to give you some dick. Now, the question is, do you want to go through all that? Do you want to waste your time? If that's not the case, then I wouldn't fuck with him. I wouldn't even go over to his house. Tell him to meet you at Starbucks. Tell him to meet you somewhere where you can discuss ideas in front of people. So you can have, so if something does happen, you at least have the, 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 the protection of eyewitnesses. But some, you know, but yet and still, people want to go over to these people's houses. They think it's cute. And then they end up, you know, well, this happened to me. Somebody slapped me with their penis. Well, don't go to their house. Don't go to that person's house without nobody with you. All right. Oh, and actually, I have one more story, by the way, before I wrap this up. This is a, um, this is a very sombering story. Uh, a senior at the University of Utah by the name of Lauren McCluskey. She was a member of the track and field team as well. Uh, she was found dead in a car on campus, on a parking lot near campus, near a residence hall. Now, she was abducted around 8.20 p.m., uh, I believe Monday night, while her mom was still on the phone. Uh, like I said, her body was found that very next morning, and the killer, Melvin Rowland, Fortunately, a brother, and she and this is a, a white woman. Not to say that this has anything extra to put onto it, but just to just peep the dynamic. And uh, they were said to have a, had a relationship with each other. Now, this was until she found out that not only he was lying about his age, he was also lying. Uh, he's he was thirty seven years old at the time. He was also lying about his, um, you know, his criminal background as well. So this is why you got to be careful about who you come in contact with. Now, they broke up around October the 9th, and this is when she filed, Lauren, Miss Lauren filed a harassment complaint. Uh, like I said, he lied about his age and his criminal background. He's a registered, well, he was a registered sex offender, and he was also under investigation for other sexual-related crimes. Now, uh, she would have graduated last year, and she studied communications, which uh, is something that uh, along the lines of what I want to get into. That's why it really sucks, you know. And there was no real uh, way, I mean, there was no real, um, I didn't really find any information about uh, what brought the relationship together or how they met or anything like that. But apparently they were in a relationship. And apparently she found out, like I said, she found out all this stuff about the man, and she didn't want nothing to do with him. And this man decides, you know, well, I can't, I can't deal with you. I can't, you know, you, I, you can't be, I can't be without you. So can't nobody have you. A lot of men get this, get this notion, you know, and that's where all that control ass, that control bullshit comes from. Understand that this is a grown woman. 
We are not in the 1950s to 1800s where you can sit there and repress these people. These are outright adults who work and educate themselves. You cannot subjugate these people anymore. Not that you should have. Not that you should have to begin with. That was our problem. That's our original sin that we keep messing over. We think we really can dominate and control every motherfucking body. That doesn't work that way. And a message for these young girls before I take off uh, for my first break. Be careful who you date with. Be, really be careful who you're with. You know, do your homework from, from the get-go. It's all right to ask questions. It's all right to take your time. You don't have to rush into sex. I'm not saying that they necessarily did that, but be careful. You know, she's from Washington State. Uh, she's going to a new. St uh, she went to the state. Uh, she went to a new state in Utah to, to to do to you know gain her education. You don't know nobody. You're still wet behind the ears. Don't be afraid to date the guy on campus because it might you know. Don't be afraid to date the guy on campus. Don't be afraid to take your time and really get to know somebody in your classroom. It's nothing wrong. See, the thing about it is. It's nothing wrong to date somebody in a familiar setting as you. You know them. Be careful of the people who just come up randomly and show up randomly. You know? That's all I say. And, and you know, it's just, a, it's just a messed up situation because she had her whole life ahead of her. She, she was about to graduate with a degree. This man, I don't know what his background is, what he had in terms of what he was doing in terms of work, but he took away a lot from somebody else. Because of his issue as a man. I don't know why he, 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 he was tripping. You know, you take away that, that, that good white pussy and that good consistent pussy. That, that pussy that he thought he was able to control and manipulate because he thinks he, you know, he has some, some character about him. No, you don't. Because you have some type of swag. You were able to get her to like you. She doesn't even know nothing about you. You lied about yourself. You were a completely different person. You ain't pimping because of that. And that's the mentality that comes from these people. A lot of these, a lot of these men and, and and brothers too. Oh well, I'm I can get her to do this. I can get her to okay. Well, when she decides to leave you, what are you gonna do? You gonna kill her, ain't you? She can't have nobody but me, huh? No, what you should have did was have your stuff together too, sir. So you don't need to you don't need to worry about a woman leaving you like that. 37 years old trying to mess with somebody 21. See, that's the problem. And ugh, no, that's not cute. Messing with an older guy is not cute, ladies. It's not. It's really not cute. It's kind of, it makes y'all look really bad on y'all part. Y'all think it's cute? No, I don't. We don't think that. that and trust me, when men start seeing you, your age, start seeing you with old men, and you think you playing them, and we think that that's gross. We just see miles, okay? There's a lot to be said. Um... You know, I'm against killing, which is why tomorrow another story that I want to bring to you guys is um, is somewhat related to that. Um, but I wanted to, you know, really challenge uh, some perspectives uh, based on what I've, I've heard uh, lately. But uh, we're going to take a quick break on that. Um, you know, it was a it was a somber note on a somber note. Uh, let's just take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NFL. Got a couple NFL stories for you, and then we're going to go over some Monday Night Football. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. So let's get back into it. And in the big news of the NFL, Amari Cooper was traded by the Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick. Now, I've been hearing through the, you know, the NFL works and everything like that. I've I've listened to the Speak for Yourself with just Jason Whitlock. I've listened to the Colin Cowherd show. I listened to the First Take guys, and I also listened to uh, Nick Wright and uh, Chris Carter. First things first, and they all seem to be pretty positive about the Dallas Cowboys getting Amari Cooper. They all think this is a smart pick on Dallas's, um, you know. On their on their in their set, and also you know this is gonna help out Dak Prescott just a little bit. I am I am amongst the party that I thought it was a dumb move for Dallas. I think there were very capable receivers that you could have you know even uh, put together a package for uh, to get a first round pick. Julio Jones, for example, is unhappy in Atlanta. You don't think a first-round draft pick will suffice for them at this point in the season when they're not really in the playoff race? Sorry. I think if you get the right package together, you can get Julio Jones. Uh, they could all, they could have gotten 
Well, there's not a whole lot of wide receivers out there, but they definitely uh, could have got a lot of – I think they could have done better than Amari Cooper. Now, people could say, oh, well, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, is going to help out, you know, spread the ball down the field. It's a different situation. I don't think so. You went to a situation where, yes, your whole team as a whole was struggling. That I get that. Your whole team was not successful. Raiders were at the bottom of many uh, categories, but a lot of those categories were defensive. Offensively, they did pretty well. Uh, they pretty, did pretty good. I won't say well. That's a uh, that's a little bit overshooting it, but they did pretty good. Uh, their their cars numbers are not that great, but then if you look at the receivers around him, they're not doing so great. Amari Cooper has had the most drops in the league since he got here. He was outshined by the number two receiver on his team, Michael Crabtree, for at least two years. Sorry, this is the truth. Currently, he's sitting on just 22 catches and 280 yards. And this is on a team that's been behind a lot in numerous games, so you know they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And he only got 22 catches. His ratio of catch and target are, is very low. We're talking about near the bottom of the league. I mean, the Raiders, they, 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 in my opinion, they finessed Jerry. Cause in my, cause, cause with the numbers that I see in the production, y'all can sit there and talk about that one season. He was only, see, he's the type of player that shines when the whole team shines. Again, we are struggling and he struggled. We were struggling and he's struggling too. He's not the type of player that'll shine despite his team being garbage. Look at the Giants and Saquon Barkley. With the exception of uh, uh, the Monday night game against the Falcons, he's been able to get 100-yard games since the start of the year or close to 100 yards every game this year. And his team is garbage. He's not the type of player. I'm just saying, Amari Cooper is not the type of player that's going to ball out all situations. Sorry. You give him a situation, uh, just like the Raiders, the perfect storm which we went to the playoffs, a solid quarterback who's getting enough time in the pocket and we're balanced on offense, able to run the ball as well. You open up those those uh, lanes for him. And even then, let's keep it real. I'm a Raider fan. I watched the team. Even in those in that year, guess who the better receiver was? I'm going to say it right now. Michael Crabtree. So in my opinion, Dallas has got another average receiver to add to a to, to a collection of average receivers, and they got an average quarterback. Because believe it or not, I, I would say this, because, because of his skill set, if you give Derek Carr a better offensive line, a more capable running game that can get yardage, his receivers will perform better than Dallas because he's a better quarterback than Dez. I'm, I'm sorry, not Dez, but Dak. I'm sorry. Dak is Dak is so he can't even get you 200 yards a game. Derek Carr can do that. Derek Carr can do that in spades. Dallas should have wanted if I was if I wanted if I wanted to really be bold, I would have just got Derek Carr. You can give me another weak wide receiver. I mean, I'm just, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's weak. And of course, you know, uh, Chris Carter claims to know the kid. I'm not saying, I'm not down that he doesn't know the kid. And if you don't know about Chris Carter, uh, he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Played over 10 years in the NFL. Uh, Dolphins, Vikings, those guys, Eagles. So, he, I mean, he has, he has, you know, I, I, I respect what he says. I respect his opinion on wide receivers uh, to an extent. But this guy, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it yet. And I don't think Dallas in a situation with a quarterback like Des who cannot throw the ball over 200 yards a game is going to help him excel. Sorry. Maybe they maybe they need to shore up that offensive line. They definitely have a good running game, but that passing game leaves a lot to be desired. And I think it's because of the a, it's a combination of receivers and it's a combination of Dak. He's just not that good of a quarterback. And eventually you're just going to have to say that and, and either develop talent around him or get you a new quarterback. That's up to y'all. That's up to Dallas.
Uh, other trade rumors. Well, this is not necessarily a rumor. This is fact. Patrick Peterson, cornerback from the Arizona Cardinals, also demands to be traded as well. Um, I'm not too sure who has a package ready for him. There isn't really a package ready for him yet. Uh, in terms of the Raiders, they're still looking to shop everybody except for Derek Carr and their corner that they drafted last year um, from Ohio State. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, definitely, um, there's definitely, there's, and that's in terms of the trade rumors. That's about it. But I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling the Amari Cooper to Dallas trade. At least on Dallas, might have thought that they, uh, you know, made a made an improvement, but not for a first rounder. He's not worth the first round draft pick. That's just me. Uh, but let's talk about some Monday Night Football real quick. Uh, we all know. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all know the outcome. Twenty three twenty. Uh, the Falcons are on top of the Giants. Uh, Falcons move to three and four in the season. Giants go down to one and six to the basement. That's where they already were. And uh, let's just break down these stats real quick before we get any further. And uh, in terms of the Giants, Eli went 27 of 38 with 399 yards and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had 43 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Sterling Shepard, he had a good game receiving. He had five catches for 167 yards. OBJ also helped out with 143 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, their two cornerbacks, uh, Landon Collins and Curtis Riley, uh, both led the way in terms of defense. Landon Collins got eight total tackles. Curtis Riley got seven total tackles. Off to the Falcons. Matt Ryan had a decent game, going 31 of 39 for 379 yards and also a touchdown. Tevin Coleman ran for 50 yards as well. And on receiving, Julio Jones had 104 yards and also Marvin Hall had 62 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, the cornerback Desmond Trufant helped out with eight total tackles and also Grady Jarrett had six total tackles, uh, six total tackles and two sacks. Now, the biggest takeaway that I got from the game was the Giants can play to an extent, but they cannot, they cannot, uh, they cannot close the deal. And this is why they're one and six. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the first person to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. Eli Manning should have left. He's wasting a, a roster spot. This is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Believe that. We that, ladies and gents. This team is not going anywhere. Pat Shermer, the head coach there, I don't know what his his deal is. You got uh, John Mara, the GM, calling out, you know, Odell Beckham. Talking about, I'd rather see you play. I don't want to hear all this. And he has a point. He does have a point, but your quarterback sucks, and that needs to be addressed too. And you have a young wide receiver who's looking to be – Looking to get his exposure, looking to get, looking to get his his just due. And if your quarterback is trashed, then the receiver's not going to be happy. Look at Terrell Owens. <coughs> Excuse me. We saw his years, and we saw that one year in Philadelphia, and all he did was beef with Donovan McNabb because he wasn't getting the exposure that he wanted because he wasn't getting the production that he wanted. So the Giants had a lot of problems. At three and four, the Atlanta Falcons ain't doing no better either. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Their division is too tough. They're my, they'll fuck around and lose to Tampa Bay. So I, you know, there's nothing to, to take from them. They're they're garbage too. You know, two garbage teams on Monday night. There you go. All right, let's get to some college football real quick. We'll go over the top twenty-five. Uh, this we're going into week. I won't say week eight. Yeah, it'll be week eight. So. We're getting near the end. We're definitely getting near the end. And um, these playoff spots, you know, they're, they're, you know, well, these games make a lot of, these games are very important near the the, the, the bottom stretch of the season. Because, again, like I said, these playoff spots, you know, they're handing them out. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But um, uh, starting with number one, we got Alabama. They are sitting at A&O, have not lost yet. They're going to go into a bye week. Uh, which is good. We're going to get a chance to rest up because the next week after that, they got to play LSU. They got to go to LSU and play number four right there in Baton Rouge. That's going to be the game of the week in the next couple of weeks. That game will determine who I would say, because of Georgia's loss, I, I'm going to go out right and just go out on a limb here and say the winner of the SEC championship is the winner of the LSU-Alabama game. We can argue. 
but I don't think so. Uh, number two, we got Clemson. They are currently 7-0. They got an easy game this week. They're going to be going to Florida State. Easy win for them. Uh, Florida State has a lot of injuries, new coach, and just not effective at any point. Uh, they haven't been effective at any point during the season. So look for Clemson to get another easy win, just like they got against North Carolina State. And number three, we got Notre Dame. They are 7-0. They're also going to have another easy game this week. They'll be going up against Navy, unranked. Um, they'll be going on the road, though. And one thing I will tell you, I, w I won't put them on upset alert just yet, uh, but they have been struggling, you know, keeping getting teams off the field and keeping teams scoring down. So I would look forward to see, I I'm looking forward to see if their defense can sure itself up within the next couple of weeks because if they're able to get a playoff spot with that defense, I think they get blown out. That's just me. And number four, we got LSU sitting there at 7-1. and one. They have a bye week this week as well. Uh, like I said, they're going to have that big game against Alabama, so y'all look out for that. And number five, we got Michigan at 7-1. and one. They're also headed to a bye week uh, this week. And number six, we got Texas. They are currently sitting at 6-1, and one, and they'll be traveling to Oklahoma State. I'm not going to put them on upset alert, but again, this is a team that needs to sh strengthen up their defense if they really want to make that push, hopefully, to a playoff spot. So, uh, moving on, we got number seven, Georgia. They're coming in at 6-1. and one. Uh, They will be taking on Georgia this week in the world's largest uh, cocktail party. Again, that's their rivalry game that they play every year. They'll be playing that game in Jacksonville, neutral site. Uh, with Georgia taking that loss, it's a little bit it's a little hard to, to pick a winner sometimes with them, just and just because of the way that they lost. But um, I like their defense and Florida. I haven't seen too much of Florida, but I, you know, Georgia. Georgia I know Georgia. I've seen Georgia play. I'm comfortable with giving them the, the W this week. Uh, number eight, we got Oklahoma. They're currently at six and one. Uh, they got an easy game this week. They'll be playing Kansas. They'll be hosting Kansas State. Another easy game for them. Uh, number nine, Florida. Again, like I said, they got to play against Georgia this week in a big game. Uh, that'll pretty much decide who wins the SEC East. Uh, number 10, we got UCF. they still undefeated. Uh, they're facing a bye week uh, this week as well. They come back after that. They have a Thursday night game against Temple. So it just gets easy for them. Uh, look for I look for them to finish, uh, finish the season undefeated again, uh, at least until ball season. So, they're pretty much one of the better teams out there. I'm just going to leave it like that. At number 11, we got Ohio State. Uh, they'll be taking a bye week this week. Eventually, they got to play Michigan in a monster game. Uh, that'll pretty much determine who wins this division, uh, the Western Division for the Big Ten, and pretty much who uh, goes to the Big 12 title. I mean, it's a Big Ten title game. Uh, at 13, we got West Virginia. They're sitting there at 5 1. Uh, they'll be going up against Baylor this week. Uh, I got West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia seems to have a better offense, better quarterback. Uh, Baylor again uh, is coming, is coming back from losing their coach a couple years back. I don't think they're the same team that they were offensively. They're still trying to switch things up over there. So look for West Virginia to take that game pretty easy. And number fourteen, we got Washington State. They are six and one. They beat my Ducks last week, and I'm still mad about that. They'll be facing number twenty-four Stanford this week in a pretty solid Pac-12 North game. Uh, I think with the win against Oregon last week, they kind of put themselves in in the driver's seat to make it to the Pac-12 title game. So uh, I pretty much have them as a favorite against Stanford by at least a touchdown. Uh, look for them to pull that out, hopefully. At number 15, we got Washington. They are at 6-2. and two. Uh, They will be facing Cal uh, this weekend. They'll be traveling to Cal this weekend. So all my Berkeley people, show up. Because one thing I will say about y'all is y'all don't take football that seriously. This is why I never was a Cal fan. I always ask, why are you an Oregon fan? Why are you a Duck fan? Well, A, I grew up there. And B, y'all not into sports like that. Y'all into the Raiders and 49. I'll give y'all that. But y'all fickle when it comes to the Bears. Y'all only like the Bears and teams like the A's when they win it. Y'all hella fickle. So I'm not into college sports. That, California college sports, that is. Uh, number 16, we got Texas A&M. Uh, they're 5-2 currently. They'll be taking on Mississippi State in Starkville this weekend. I'm not going to put them on another upset alert. Again, Mississippi State doesn't have a whole lot of offense. Defense is okay. Um, but I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride with Penn State. Oh, I think I forgot to mention number 12, Kentucky. They're 6-1 currently. They'll be going to Missouri this weekend. They have a top defense in the nation, one of the top defenses in the nation, uh, top five in scoring, uh, top, I would say top five in overall yardage. They do not give up a lot of points. 
Uh, again, I'm sorry I missed them. I don't know how I, they slipped up here, but I got them beating on Missouri. Uh, not scoring a whole lot of points, but again, getting getting maybe a shutout, maybe even blanking Missouri because Missouri ain't got shit. Just being honest with you. Sorry about that mix up. But we're going on to 17, Penn State. They are currently at 5 and 2, and they will be traveling to Iowa, number 18 Iowa this weekend. I've seen I've seen Penn State lose a, a couple different times in Ames, Iowa. Um, so I'm gonna give Iowa the nine. I'm gonna get the, the Hawkeyes out the eye in this game, the nine in this game. Uh, look for them to move on. It'll be a tough, tight defensive struggle. I think. I think 20 points by each squad, but I think uh, 20, 20, a little bit over 20 points by each squad. But I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Iowa to get it done. And number two, 18, like I said, uh, Iowa. They're sitting there at six and one. Like I said, I still got them a favor to beat Penn State just because I've seen Penn State lose a few times in Ames. So I gotta give I gotta give Iowa the home the home field advantage. And number 19, here come my boys, the Ducks. They're at five and two. Um, they're gonna be taking on Arizona this week. And um it's a very I don't know what to say about this game. I mean, they didn't play well, they didn't play that great. Uh, versus Washington State, and this is another road game. Uh, we're currently one and one in road games. Uh, we were able to beat. Uh, oh, I don't know who we, I forgot who we beat on the road, but uh, again, I don't think Arizona is a team that's shocking. I mean, that, that's you know upset ready just yet. I think we go in there and get a close win. It's a sombering win. Uh, it's, a, it's a win that definitely gets us to realize some things. We're good. Uh, we're coming around the corner, but there's definitely things that we need to work on. Just, and the only reason I give it, and I and I say this about this game, is because that's just how the Pac-12 is, especially those nighttime games. Uh, these teams push us to the brink, and there's and that's what's good about the Pac-12. You get a chance to really see where you're at, and this will be another uh, another fine-tuned game from Oregon. They're sitting there five and two right now. Of course, they're out of the playoff picture. Uh, they they're in position to get a ball. Uh, Go with the ball season if they were able to get this win. You need six wins to be ball eligible. So I, I look for the Ducks to become at least ball eligible this weekend. At number twenty, we got Wisconsin. They're sitting there at five and two. Uh, they they'll be facing Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern has a solid defense, uh, but um, I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. Look for them to become ball eligible this weekend as well. At number twenty one, we got South Florida. They're certain currently sitting at seven and one. Uh, sorry, seven and zero. Uh, they're gonna be going to Houston uh, again. This team doesn't get a lot of love because it plays in the conference USA in the mid-major conference this is why they're undefeated uh, at 7-0 and zero and sitting all the way at 21 uh, but look for them to keep the undefeated streak going uh, Houston doesn't really have a whole lot of offense uh, the defense is solid especially on the defensive line uh, but I think Florida Southern Florida still matches up against them pretty well so look for them to go 8-0 and they're already ball eligible so they don't really have nothing to lose at this point at number twenty three, we got Utah. They're currently sitting at five and two, and they'll be taking on UCLA uh, again. Utah has had some strong, uh, very good uh, wins against ranked opponents uh, the past three weeks. Uh, UCLA, I think, it just has one win so far. We were able to knock off Cal a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think Utah comes in there, um, goes into U, uh, UCLA, goes into LA, and just blows out, blows out the Bruins. It's too easy for me. Uh, it's too easy for Utah. I have a way better team offensively, defensively, and at this point, I still think they have a better coach. So I'm gonna go with Utah here. And at 24, we got uh, Stanford. They're at um, they're at five and two. Uh, they'll be taking on Wa uh, Washington State this weekend. Possibly upset alert again. The Pac-12 North is kind of open uh, with Oregon taking that loss. Um, Washington State, though, it depends. I mean, Washington State is looking like the team that might be the team to beat, especially if they get, they're able to get past Stanford. So um, let's move on to number 25. We got Appalachian State out there in Boone, North Carolina. They'll be taking on Georgia Southern this weekend. They are 5-1 overall. Uh, look for them to get the win against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern doesn't really provide much of a fight for them. All right, y'all. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we got some NBA action to go, go over. Uh, we are just getting into the, the basics of the season. So we're going to go over a few games there. And also, we're going to go over the playoffs, the, uh, the World Series as well. Game one was last night, too. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, my weebalizations. We are back. And like I said... We got some NBA action to go through. Of course, we are in the beginning of the season. Nothing much has, you know, developed just yet. But 
we are getting some good basketball. Now, for example, the 76ers and the Pistons went to overtime last night. And mind you, a lot has been said about the 76ers. Of course, they had that deep playoff run last year that saw them go um, to the second round of the playoffs. They lost eventually to Boston, who went on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they gave Boston a lot. They gave Boston enough that it could handle. Uh, this year, there was a lot of hype going into the going into them this year, and uh, so far they lived up to that somewhat. Uh, now, on the flip side, the team that they played against last night was the Pistons. Now, last year uh, they were able to bring in Blake Griffin. Uh, that didn't help them out too much. I still think they missed the playoffs. Um, now, and a lot was said even about them going into the season how. You know, Blake Griffin really wouldn't help, and they would continuously, you know, continue to slide and just, you know, play all around bad basketball. Uh, however, uh, that has not happened. So far, they're 3-0. and uh, They're first in their division. Uh, and they were able to get the, the W last night against the Sixers, 132-133 to 133 in overtime. Now, let's get to these stats right quick. Uh, for the 76ers, Joel Embiid led the way. He had 33 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists. So, he's all over the place. He's looking to have a good season this year. Uh, Robert Covington, a small forward, had a great game. A pretty decent game as well. 16 points, 9 boards. And also, Dario Saric, he also had a pretty decent game as well. 14 points and 8 rebounds. Now, let's take a look at these Pistons, though. Now, again, a lot has been said about the Pistons the last couple of years. They've been a bottom feeder. Uh, this year, it was looking to not go so well. Uh, they're currently at 3-0. and I'm not saying that they, you know, have a, a monstrous season because of the start. Uh, but, again, this is a good start. This is, these are good signs to see. Uh, let's break down these stats for them right quick. Andre Dubman, uh, Drummond, excuse me, their big-time center had a double-double going for 14 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, Reggie Bullock, the shooting guard, he had 17 points as well. Reggie Jackson had 23 points. And the big daddy, Blake Griffin, um, who they got last year, uh, he came in through. He came in through big time for them. 50 points, 50 rebounds, also 7 assists. Now, I'm not sure this happens all the time uh, for them, but I think Blake Griffin, he seems to be, you know, energized, you know, uh, going for going for 50, 50 points in the beginning of the year. We're only three games in, um, you know, at this early in the season. That proves that he wants to play, and I think that's a good sign for them. Uh, you already have capable players on that team. Andre Drummond has always been capable uh, on the defensive end. Uh, he's getting better, at least of at least of uh, on offense, at least of you know scoring underneath the rim. Uh, he has somewhat of a jump shot, uh, but definitely he's improving offensively, at least just in terms of getting buckets. Uh, Reggie Bullock has also improved as well over the years. So has Reggie Jackson. I've seen him play for a few years for quite a few different teams, and he's gotten his skills up there. Uh, so this is a good sign for them, in my opinion. I'm not saying that they, like I said, again, I'm not saying that they just have a tear and they go undefeated or anything like that, uh, or they you know have some great season. Uh, but look for them, especially because, LeBron Lee, because of LeBron going to the Lakers, uh, the East just you know gets a little bit more open, and don't be surprised if they go if this a team like this goes for these forty five wins, or maybe uh, forty to forty five wins. This season this seems to be like a solid team. They're sitting at three and zero right now. Of course, it's the beginning of the year, uh, not much. You haven't seen a whole lot of basketball, but again, they had a really solid game last night. So look out for them. Look out for the Detroit Pistons. Um, in other NBA action, we got the Pelicans. Uh, they took on the Clippers last night. Uh, they beat them 116-109. to 109. Uh, Pelicans move on to 3-3. Three and three. Clippers move on to 2-2, two and two, which is all right. You figure they'd be a little bit worse shape, but they're okay. As far as the, uh, the stat line goes for the Clippers, uh, Tobias Harris, the small forward, led the way in terms of scoring. He had 26 points. He also had nine rebounds. Danilo Gallinari, he also had 24 points as well from the wing. And Lou Williams was also able to get 17 points. So, uh, looks like they can score. Uh, they have capable athletes. Uh, it'll just be a hard year. I mean, it's, it's you know, you're adding LeBron to the other L.A. team. Uh, they're going to be playing you on the same house. It's just going to be hard. That's all. Um, I don't think this this roster is terrible. It's just like you got all these other great rosters around you. Uh, 
Starting with the Pelicans. Now, in terms of their stat line, we got Anthony Davis, of course, leading the way. He went 30, He had 34 points, 13 rebounds. The power forward, Nikola Mirotic, also had a good game as well. He goes for a double-double, 18 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, this, this makeup right here, I, I think the Pelicans even without DeMarcus Cousins, might just push for a playoff spot. I love Nikola Mirotic. I love what he can do offensively. Um, he has a lot of range. He can shoot shoot the perimeter. He can shoot the three uh, to an extent. He can also score in the paint. Uh, we already know what Anthony Davis can do. Uh, we got Alfred Payton uh, coming from a trade from the Phoenix uh, Suns. He had 20 points last night along with six assists. So we know what he can do, even though they lost Rondo. But it looks like Alfred Payton has enough athleticism and has enough skill to take over that spot and Julius Randle didn't do them that wrong either he had 18 points so this team uh so far even without uh DeMarcus Cousins they might look to challenge as well do not look be surprised if this team goes for 50 wins possibly uh they're in a division to do so uh the Spurs are not as good as they're going to be advertised the Rockets are not as good as good as good as advertised they keep trying to I'm not buying Carmelo I'm not buying that Carmelo I think Carmelo made them worse so i look for that hey do not be surprised now dallas is old too dallas is old uh san antonio is old with nobody well they're not old they just don't got nobody anymore they lost Kawhi. in houston they're old do not be surprised if the pelicans win the southwest baby do not be surprised they get 50 wins i'm, I'm looking at it right now looking at who we got looking at who they got I'm not surprised. I would not be surprised. Now, finally, uh, the Kings took on the Nuggets. Uh, they lose 112 to 126. The Kings move down to 1 and 3. The Nuggets are at 4 and 0. Oh. As far as the Kings go, uh, their rookie, Marvin Bagley III, he had a pretty solid game, going twenty point, going for 20 points, 9 rebounds, close to a double-double. Uh, Justin Jackson also has 17 points. This team just continues to struggle. Uh, they really don't have any leadership. I know they brought in a couple guards last year uh, for the offseason, uh, but it doesn't. they do not look like they're paying out right now. They need a leader. They need somebody who can control that offense. They don't have that right now, so they're struggling. Uh, as far as the Nuggets go, uh, shooting guard Gray Harris, he led the way with well he didn't lead the way necessarily with 18 points but he had uh the second most points 18 points five rebounds jamal murray he had 19 points and eight players in total had double digits in points starting at 11 or more so uh nuggets are looking good uh they look like a team to beat uh they're looking like they could possibly win that northwest division again um i'm not necessarily buying okc right now i think they have the best team on paper it's like the situation last night with the with the, uh, with the red Sox and the Dodgers. like i told you the the uh Dodgers might have the better names i think boston has the better team altogether same thing here um I definitely believe OKC has the two big names. Uh, you know, they got Adams as well. But I think overall, as a team, the Nuggets got that. And if you count Portland, what they got with the two point guards, with the, with the two, really they two shooting, shooting guards, they're over-glorified. They're really glorified shooting guards. All they really do is shoot. Uh, they really have nothing else around there surrounding them to help them out. Again, um, we got Minnesota. Jimmy Butler's not happy there. That team isn't really, you know, playing up to par. I don't know. It's it looks almost like it's the Nuggets division to lose, but that's just me. That's just me. I could be crazy. All right, y'all. So we're gonna move on. We're gonna wrap this show up for today. And like I told you, I was gonna go over give y'all some post game coverage of that World Series game one, uh, Boston Red Sox, L.A. Dodgers, and uh, game one Red Sox came out on top. I told you guys, better names, better team. Boston had the better team. They won uh, game one last night, eight to four. Uh, in terms of what they were able to do, uh, Andrew Benatendi only got one RBI. Uh, their their main guy, Mookie Betts, the MVP candidate, he didn't show up last night. But again, they got help from everyone else. They got help from other people, as they normally do. This is why they're the better team. Uh, J.D. Martinez got two hits, two RBIs. Uh, the infielder, Eduardo Nunez, he plays a little bit of third, shortstop, and second. He got a three-run home run, and like I said, Andrew Benatini got his RBI, and 
overall, that Chris Sale, uh, he had played a monstrous game. He went for four innings, gave up five hits, but only got three runs, and he had seven Ks. And um, the bullpen itself did really well, as, really well too. They only gave up three hits and one run. Now, in terms of the Dodgers, uh, outside of uh, Manny Machado's three RBIs, not a lot happened uh, for them, and uh, that's not a good thing. They have too many stars on that on that team for nobody to be showing up. Uh, one or two stars, maybe even three, because of who they're playing, needs to show up every game in order for them to, for the series to be competitive and for them to win this series. They did not go out to get this money for them to be, be getting beat eight to four in the World Series. Even if it's game one. And Clayton Kershaw, he was for seven innings, gave up five runs, seven hits. He did have five strikeouts. But again, um, with as much been saying, with with as with with as much as that's been said about some of Boston starting pitching, uh, mostly David Price, a lot can be said for Clayton Kershaw. He does not have you know, a great playoff record. Again, he has a, ch- a chance to show up in the in World Series, at least in Game 1, and he lays out and gives up five runs. Not a good sign. Of course, we have a, this is seven games. Uh, we have six more games to go. Hopefully, depends on how good, the, you know, either one of these teams play. These teams could slip up and lose a bunch of games. We can have this over in two or three games. But uh, as of now, um, not looking really great for the Dodgers. Again, I knew going into this Boston had the better team. Again, just L.A. had the bigger names, and this is how it comes down to. Um, I I don't know who to go for game two. Uh, personally, Boston did what they were supposed to do, uh, handled their business. And, again, I think – and, again, I wanted to give them the edge in terms of pitching too. So, again, I probably will go with Boston game two. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything that blows my mind away about what LA did in this game, game one to give them some type of uh, momentum into game two. Sorry, that's just me. All right, y'all. So we're gonna wrap this up for today. In our next episode, I told you uh, there was something I really wanted to discuss. Uh, really, um, there was a there was a story that I came across yesterday referring to Ray Carruth, uh, former Carolina Panther, former NFL player, uh, was convicted and served a significant amount of time uh, for killing his wife and putting his son in danger. His son uh, has mental uh, issues and development issues to this day because of that uh, that murder uh, and how it affected him. And uh, So we'll talk a little bit about that. I came across a story that kind of, well, that revered him. Yes, I came across a story online. Uh, came across a video by your man, Tommy Sotomayor, well-known black conservative says a lot of crazy rambunctious things. I think he took it a little bit too far with that. I'm not down with that. So I'm going to have to talk about that tomorrow as well. Uh, We're going to have some more war on the street, of course. And then we're going to go over, uh, for the NFL, we're going to be going over my three takeaways from week uh, seven. We'll be talking some about that. And, of course, we're going to be talking about some NBA as well, too, and uh, some World Series action as well. But the main story I wanted to talk about uh, was the Ray Carew situation. Uh, I do not not agree with the sentiment that I've I've recently come across. So I'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. All right, y'all. So we're going to talk caught. We'll call it for today. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, then I love you. Y'all be good. And one love. Peace out.